I just thought I would kind of start out just telling you uh, an update on my back a little bit, and then we'll move on, because people are always asking, you know, well, how are you doing? Are you healed, et cetera? And um, I had scoliosis when I was a little girl. It was very severe. We did a surgery. We, we basically had to fuse my entire spine except for two um, two discs, and um, then I was in a body cast for a year. And I've had chronic pain since I was about 10 or 11 years old, and then um, it got really bad with nerve pain last year, so we fused the remaining two discs, and they put in two more rods and then six screws the size of my index finger. <laughs> and so I am definitely very um, bionic. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, um, you know, it's not a matter of, well, when are you going to feel better? When will the pain go away? The only way for that to happen would be for a miracle. And so that is what I've been believing for for 30 years. And one of the mega, biggest miracles of that is that I'm still believing for it, <laughs> you know, because sometimes after six months we give up or after a year we give up. And so, no, I'm definitely holding on to, to Hebrews 10.35 and every scripture you can imagine. And I do believe that, that God gives us healing. I do believe that he does miracles today that... He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But medically speaking, um, there is a lot of pain. And I am still on a, on a patch which releases medicine. It's a fentanyl patch. It's basically a derivative of opium. And then I take um, Oxycontin and all sorts of things in between. And I'm telling you that just to say that the pain is high. I still take a lot of medication. The pain's still high. And I need your prayers. And so... It, it helps me to say that because, you know, sometimes people will come up to me and they'll say, well, you're smiling so I can tell that you're not in pain. But when you've had chronic pain since you were 10 or 11, um, you just smile because it actually makes you feel better. If you have anything chronic in your life, which I know a lot of you do, or if you have anything hurtful in your life, um, it really does help to smile. It really does. And I have my down days. I have my... Um, Days that um, I have to go to Target and buy something. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I just, you know what, I have my days where I'm on the, the floor crying out to God. Um, but that's where I am with that. And I do believe that, that God is going to do a miracle. And I believe that whatever miracle you need in your life, he's going to do too. And every time we're around the word, the word never returns to the Lord void. Whatever he wanted to accomplish. So today I have... A series that I'm going to start, I'm very excited about it, it's called The Secret to an Abundant Life, and I don't know anyone in the world that would not want to know The Secret to Abundant Life, and this truly is The Secret to Abundant Life, and even though my intent may not be to speak on whatever it is you need, um, the Word will do whatever in your life, in your heart, in your body, in your soul, in your mind, that God intends for it to do. And so I'm excited about that. Um, this is called The Secret Revealed. And so I just wanted to tell you that I can't give you the title that I would like to just say because you would all leave. <laughs> you would. You would say, oh, I just definitely don't want to hear that. Um, we probably wouldn't leave because you wouldn't want to hurt my feelings. But if you could leave, you would leave. 
And so, um, unless you're related to me, and then you wouldn't leave because you wouldn't want any kind of passive-aggressive behavior <laughs> towards you for weeks at a time. If you do hear and do put into action what I'm going to be teaching, your life will be changed. Not only your life forever, eternally, in every area of your life, but everyone around you, they will have changes for the good in their life because of you. This is incredible. And, and, and that's what I really want you to do today. I want you to be here and listen with the intent of doing it. Don't listen with the intent of gaining more knowledge. Listen with the intent of doing this. I'm going to put this in action. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And there are a lot of people that come to church just to listen. And the Word of God, God says that if you come someplace just to listen, you're deceiving yourself. You're also wasting your own time. And I I don't like it when people waste my time. And I know that you all don't like it when people waste your time. But the Bible says you're just deceiving yourself and wasting your time. If you hear the Word and you don't have that intent of, I'm going to put this into action with God's help, with God's grace. I want to tell you a few bad results of not doing this secret. <laughs> I still haven't told you what it is, but you probably will figure it out. But don't, don't yell it out because other people may not. And um, I just kind of want it to soak in. The Bible calls you a fool if you don't do it. You know, it's interesting too. I don't want to get off too much on a tangent, but you all know me. I get so excited about different things. And when I realized that the Bible calls you a fool if you don't do this secret. I, I did kind of a word study on fool, and it was so fun. And, and I encourage you to do this, like if you're someplace in your quiet times or your Bible study, and you don't really know what to do, you, you sit with your coffee in the morning, you open your Bible, and you're like, I don't really know what to read. Just do a word study on fool. Look up every time in the concordance that the word fool is used. And then you can just actually write a list of the opposite of what a fool should do. And that could be just an incredible list for you. Um, Proverbs 12:15 says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 12:16 says, A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. And, you know, just have your list of, of listen to advice, number one. Number two, um, you know, overlook an insult. And so, anyway, that has nothing to do with what, we're talking about and y'all are so used to that but anyway I I thought that was fun number two if you don't do what this secret is you will reap corruption you will open up yourself to be cursed you will be cursed everywhere work home disease and and every disease you can imagine and the Bible even lists also including the diseases with no cure You will have defeat, madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. I mean, at this point, I'm like, tell me what it is because I don't want to have confusion of mind. I don't want to have blindness. I don't want to have depression or disease. I don't want to be cursed. At midday, it says in Deuteronomy 28, 29, you will grope 
about like a blind man in the dark. You will be unsuccessful in everything you do, and day after day you will be oppressed and robbed, and no one will be there to rescue you. Okay, (laughs) this is not good. I could keep reading all of the curses that you open yourself up to if you don't do this secret, but I'm going to move on to another thing. If you do not do this secret, if you do not do what I'm about to tell you is the secret to abundant life, it hurts everyone you love. And if you're a believer, it hurts the whole body of Christ. So it doesn't just hurt you, it hurts everyone. And it results in self-deception, a hardened heart, physical death, and evil, even eternal damnation. It can. Not necessarily, but it can. And so at this point, I hope you're saying to yourself, please tell me what it is so I can not do it. I don't want to, I don't want to do the things that would result in these horrible things because you know what I I know that it's not just real exciting to to come to a Bible study and have someone read you a bunch of curses but we need to know that there is good and evil and we need to know that there is results to our actions we need to know that that we live in a in a world where um, if we do not follow God we open up ourselves to really negative things in our life that can lead to death. And it doesn't just affect us. It affects our families and it affects the whole Christian body. A few good results of doing the secret is it keeps you abiding in God's love. It will increase your prayers to be answered. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, there's really no such thing as, well, somebody has just a straight line to God and and I feel like some people can pray and they just get their prayers answered and other people don't. It's not that you have a straight line to God. It's just that when you are actually doing this secret, your prayers will be answered. And, and I'm going to read you some scriptures so that you'll know that I'm not just making that up. Uh, another result of doing this secret that I'm about to reveal to you is it brings multiple blessings into your life and into the lives of others. It brings promotion with God and man. It acts as spiritual warfare on your behalf. Just doing it is spiritual warfare. You don't have to even get into the spiritual warfare. Just doing it is spiritual warfare. And it assures your love for God and therefore your eternal life. And I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, Kathleen, I'm not really sure if I'm... If, if, if I am really in love with God and if I really am someone who has eternal life. Well, today you can know this because if you're doing this secret, then you are certain. There's a certainty in it. I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about, and it's obedience. It's obedience. And if I named it obedience and I said, I'm just so excited, I'm going to teach you for four weeks at a minimum about obedience. That word just is distasteful to us, you know. Even though we want our children to be obedient, that word is just distasteful. But it's interesting that Isaiah 119 says that if you're obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So who made the word distasteful? The enemy. 
Because obedience should have a good taste in our mouths. If we're obedient, we will eat the good of the land. That means that we'll have the best in our lives. And we know that with our children, we want them to be obedient. But then if we talk about obedience in church, it just sounds so stoic and so um, kind of miserable. Like, where is the door? And, you know, where's the bathroom? And I think I need to get some more coffee. And, you know, because... Because it brings conviction, and yet if, if we could look today, which we will, at the few good results of obedience, I can't even tell you all of them, you'll be so excited to come out of here and be obedient to God in all the little things, in all the little things. It's not to be overwhelmed, it's just to be obedient in the little things to start out with. Obeying God is how you abide in his love. John 15.10 says, if you keep my commandments... You'll abide in my love. And you know what's so neat about that is I've even asked God, I want to abide in your love because I know that if I abide in your love, you know, everything good will happen in my life and I know that um, I'll be in your plan, I'll be in your will, I can ask anything in your name and I'll receive it. So I try to abide in his love and lots of times we try to abide in God's love by just being loving. I'm just going to be loving and I'll abide in God's love. And that's not what the word says. It says if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. And then Jesus goes on to say, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Obeying God increases your prayers being answered. I mentioned this verse before, but didn't give the um, whereabouts. It's in John 15:7, and it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it will be done for you. You know, abiding in God's word does establish that line to God. It does. It's an uninterrupted line. Abiding in God's love, though, is a result not of being really loving or being really kind, because sometimes some of us have more of that personality than others. And so if we're not an exceedingly patient person or exceedingly kind person or exceedingly compassionate person, we may feel like, I don't really abide in God's love. Well, that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible says, if you obey me, you abide in God's love. And then what's so amazing about obeying God step by step is that it changes you into being a more compassionate person, a more patient person, a more loving person. It doesn't mean that you have to work on yourself. It means that as you get the word in you and start Abiding in God's love, God changes you. Obeying God causes you to bear much fruit, make an impact for Jesus. And I know every single one of you sitting here would say, I want to know how to make an impact in the world. I want to know. And simply obeying God makes an impact in the world. Obeying God causes that. John 15:8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. And that is a direct result, though, of abiding in his love, which only happens if you're keeping his commandments. And so what I love about the Bible is it is so simple. If, If we take things bit by bit and scripture by scripture, 
then we start to understand that it's not like I have to sit down and go, Lord, you know, show me what you want me to do. I want to make a difference in this world. I, I don't want to die and go, you know, I'm, I, I see now, God, all the things that, that I could have done and I didn't do. I, I want you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I want to have that satisfaction even daily at night as I lay my head on the pillow that, that I'm walking with you. And today, I can show you that in the Word. This is changing me. This is changing my life, and I'm excited to share it with you. Abundant life, John 15:11 says, These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So I just want to read something these to you together. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. It will be done for you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full. Did you know that just simply obeying God brings that fullness of joy? Just obeying Him. Just obeying Him. And, you know, even with our own children, just when they disobey us, even in the smallest of things, you still love them. You don't love them less, but it brings that friction of, gosh, you know, can I trust them next time? Or, you know, it, it just, it's frustrating. And you do feel like I can't give them more until they accomplish this thing. And, and, and I've said that so often to both my children. You know, I can't allow you to do X, Y, Z because I haven't even seen you do A, B, C. And I know God has a heart like that towards us. I want to give you more, but I need you to obey me in the first thing I told you to do. And it's in the small things. It's in the simple things. Obedience is also spiritual warfare, and I think this is great because some people are so into spiritual warfare, and I'm not saying that that's not a real true thing that, that we come against. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray Matthew 18:18 18, 18, that, Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm not saying that you shouldn't anoint your children and your family with the, with the blood of Jesus as you, as you pray over them, or have prayers, or buy a new house and anoint the doors. Anything that, that you feel directed to do with God. There, spiritual warfare is very true. But you can have spiritual warfare done for you Simply by obeying. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And resisting the devil means that you're simply not doing what the devil is prompting you to do. Instead, you're doing what God is asking you to do. Just simply doing that, being obedient to God, is spiritual warfare in your life. And I think a lot of the things that come in my life that I think where was that open door is just when I've been disobedient in the smallest of things. And I still, I mean, I'm still having problems with that word. You know what I'm saying? It's still not my favorite word by far, but we're going to learn for it to be because it is that special secret that opens the door to abundant life. It is what prompts our prayers to be answered. It is what keeps us in God's will. It is. And it is even in the smallest of things. I feel like in my life it's, it's in simply not 
and I, I have given this example so many times, but it's so true, I just can't think of a better example. I probably should, but lots of times it's just in not arguing with Lacey. <laughs> I always give that example. You all must think we argue all the time. <laughs> but it's, which we don't. We just sometimes loudly disagree, but we never argue. But sometimes it's just not saying anything else when God and I both know that I'm right. That's just small bits of obedience. It's just staying out of strife. Small bits of obedience is when you're prompted by the Holy Spirit to go up and talk to somebody that you barely know and be compassionate to them. Maybe put your arm, your hand on their shoulder and ask how they're doing and you, you decide not to because you really want to get someplace else at a certain time or you really want to, you don't want to have that embarrassment because you don't really know them. Um, Obedience is what God says we should do with our money. Obedience is all those things that we know to do. There's so many things that we know to do that we don't do. And sometimes we even kind of try to act towards God like we don't know, you know, just like our kids. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. We had a little incident this morning where one of my children who's female, who's almost 13, put jeans on with high heels and was ready to go to church. And I said, you really need to change clothes. And she said, well, I didn't know. And not that that's like some great sin, but it's like kind of she does know. And lots of times we do that to God, too. Like, well, I didn't really know, or I don't think I heard you right, or, you know, my kids do that to me, too. I didn't hear you. I really didn't hear you. I didn't hear you call me for dinner 18 times when I was doing email. I didn't hear you. I only heard you on the 19th time. And, you know, I have heard that slow obedience is no obedience. And I really believe that that's how God feels towards us a lot of times. Because when we quickly obey, so much happens in our life. I mean, so many amazing things happen. And we're still talking about that. Obeying God increases your faith. Did you know that? Just obeying God, just it increases your faith. It not only takes the friction out of your relationship with God, but it increases your faith. First John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. First John 3.19 says, This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Dear, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And let me tell you what confidence is. It's not hard. Confidence is faith. If our hearts don't condemn us, in other words, if, if I'm really, to the best of my ability, obeying God in all that he's telling me to do, and we're all individuals, so he's going to tell you to do different things than he's going to tell me. He's going to tell you to do different things. I mean, I know some people that have a very strong conviction about certain things. Very strong. But if it's not in the Bible, that doesn't mean that you have to have that same conviction. 1 John 3.21 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Confidence is faith. And receive from him anything we ask because why? We obey his commands. And that pleases him. I mean, 
sitting here and, and hearing this, me standing here and hearing this, I want to just start doing everything I know to do. Because not only does it please God, it gets my prayers answered, and my faith will go up every time I do it. And my confidence before God is my faith. Your confidence before God is your faith. And it's your confidence in Him and your confidence in asking. You know, the times where you know you're in willful disobedience, and um, it may be a small thing, but it's just that you've got that friction with God going. Maybe He's been telling you, really, you need to get in my word. Really, you need to get in my word. And, 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 and you know that you're choosing to watch this TV program or whatever it is, Above his word, whatever it is, whatever he's telling you. And then someone calls you to pray in some dire situation over someone that you love that's just gotten in a car accident and all the way over there in the car, you're like, God, I just, I, I, I don't feel good about this. I don't have confidence. Uh, why do you not have confidence? Because you've been in disobedience. I mean, the times that you can have the most confidence, confidence is faith is when you are in obedience. And that's why the word says, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And that is a father's heart. I mean, when your kids are going and flowing and maybe one of them just starts really obeying you whether they understand it or not. And that's what we need to do with God, too, because there's a lot of things he asks us to do that we may not understand. Especially when it's a prompting from the Holy Spirit in your heart. I think I told the story in the class about the time that I had um, just had a baby and she was and it just begun to stroll her around. So it's a tiny infant, and at that time, they just will start crying, you know, and then you have to go back. And and I kept passing a house, a very large, giant mansion in our neighborhood, and every time I passed that house, the Holy Spirit would say in my heart, go bring that lady, or actually never never did the Holy Spirit say to lady, I didn't know who lived there, um, cookies and say, I bet no one's ever brought you cookies. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> because I also thought, you know, I don't know if I'm hearing from God or not. And, and this is my thing. This may not be your thing. This is my thing. Sometimes just ideas come into my mind because I'm just kind of really creative. So I'm always thinking of ideas. Matter of fact, Lacey's like, stop with the ideas because when I get a lot of energy, I get lots of ideas. And then I write him lists, you know, lists of stuff for him to do, especially around the house. And they're all really good ideas. And they all involve him. And, and so, anyway, um, I have to hear three times to know. That's just something between me and God. If it's not in the Bible and I'm hearing something in my heart, that's just what I do. I hear three times from God, and so I heard another time, second time. I'm walking around, and I hear it again. Go bring this person cookies, ring their doorbell. And there's this big, imposing gate around this house. And I'm thinking, here I am with this baby that might cry any time, and... And, and I don't know how I'm going to get in the gate. And, and, and isn't that what our kids do with us? They're like, oh, well, see, I couldn't do it because, um, you know, this happened and that happened and I tried to do it, but I can't do it. And you're saying back to them, I don't care. All your excuses are not going to work. I asked you to do this. So the third time God said to me, 
I want you to go. And I was, you know, pushing Maddie in the stroller. I want you to go to this house. And I said, God, I kind of like got him, you know. I knew it was the third time because it was God because it was the third time. I said, I don't have cookies. <laughs> so it was like, you know, gotcha. And he was like, I don't care. Just go to the door and say, I bet no one's ever come just to say hello. And I was just like, I just couldn't do it, you know. I just didn't do it. And I went home. And I mean, it wasn't two weeks later that I read in an obituary who that person was. And it was an older woman who had been alone for a long time. And the obituary was very interesting. And then I read somewhere else a story about her and her wealth and even that she kept her house in a very, very cold temperature because she felt like she wouldn't age as much. And I, I, I don't know what God had for me to do, but I didn't do it. And I wonder what the blessings would have been for her and what they would have been for me. And I wept because death is forever. And God has forgiven me, but I learned if I tell you to do something, do it. And now I'm not always prompt, but I will do the strangest things. <laughs> and then I'm amazed at the outcome. I mean, God lots of times is just looking for somebody just to do something, you know. I mean, if you'll just step out and do it. And that's obedience. And that's what we want from our kids, where we ask them one time, they do it. Can you imagine the rewards you'd want to give to your children if, if every time you asked them to do something, they heard you the first time, they said, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, and they did it. And they not only did it, they did it in excellence. I mean, you just you, you would want to spend all your time with them. You would want to give them everything you could possibly give them. And that is the heart of the Father. Obeying God brings multiple blessings into your life and into the lives of others. Of course, in Deuteronomy 28, we can read about the curses, which we read just a few curses from being disobedient. But I'm going to read just a few of the blessings. Deuteronomy 28.2 says, All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. In other words, if you obey God, it will directly affect your children. And if you disobey God, it will directly affect your children. I mean, that should sober us up enough to just say, I want to obey God. I mean, and why would I not, in a situation, when, when we're on the way to Fortin Diner and Lacey says they put avocados in a certain salad, and I say, no, they don't. And he says, yes, they do. And I say, no, they don't. And he says, I'm not going to argue with you. And I said, fine, I don't want to argue with you. I just want to tell you that they don't. <laughs> Why don't we see the bigger picture of just obeying God? God doesn't want us to have strife in our marriage. As a matter of fact, the book of James says that strife lets in every evil thing. It does directly affect our children. 
And so just being reminded, just being reminded to obey in the smallest of things, in the things that God has told you, you know, if he's told you to get off caffeine, obey him. If he's told you to go visit your neighbor, obey him. If he's told you to tithe in the Bible, which he has, obey him. Because sometimes it's not so much what's going to happen if we don't, it's what are we missing if we don't. That's what is so exciting is to walk out of here and even say, God, reveal to me now as I obey you in these things and and give me the grace to obey you and help to obey you because there are a lot of things that a lot of us have tried to obey him in in years and we've stumbled and fallen. And yet when one of your children says, Dad, Mom, I really want to do the right thing in this situation, but it's really hard for me. Please help me. Do you say, no, you can do it on your own? You don't. With every fiber of your being, you go and help that child, no matter how they are. You know, maybe you have a son who's 18, 19, that says, you know, I know I need to quit smoking. Can you help me? Can you research some things to help me? Absolutely. Whatever it might be. And by the way, smoking and not smoking is, is, is not in the Bible. Um, well, it is actually in, in hell, I think. They smoke in hell. But <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably allowed, but it, it may not. I just can't imagine people smoking in heaven. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then the angel. Do you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm not saying... I'm sorry. I don't know where I am. Gosh, I could go on and on and on. Obeying God just basically blesses your life in every area. Read Deuteronomy 28. Read what it brings to you. I can't even begin to read all of it. I can't even begin to read all of it. Deuteronomy 28.7 says, The Lord will grant that enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. And I claim that when I had leukemia. It will come with me to me in one direction, but it had to flee from me in seven. You know, there are so many things. And you can claim things in faith when you have confidence before God because you have confidence before God when you're obeying Him. It doesn't mean you're sinless. It just means that to the best of your ability, you're obeying him. You're not ignoring him. Ignoring him is just like when we call one of our kids to dinner and they're on email and they pretend like they don't hear us and we know they hear us. And we don't want to do special things for that child because it it exasperates us to do that every time. God wants that first-time obedience from us so that we'll be blessed. Obeying God brings promotion with God and man. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Remember that? We read that in the beginning. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, He will be blessed in what he does. I hate to rush, but I'm going to have to rush. I'm I'm kicking out my examples so that I can fit this in the time. I wish I had three hours. Obeying God assures your love for God and therefore your eternal life. He who does the will of God will live forever. 1 John 2.17 says the world passes away, 
but he that does the will of God will live forever. And if you've ever wondered if you really love God, if you've ever wondered if you're saved, because sometimes the enemy will come to you and say, are you sure? Are you sure you're not just going to church? You can look at this in John 14, 15. It says, very simply, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you don't love him, you won't. And that's convicting to me, too, because I can't say, God, I love you, but I'm really not going to listen to anything you say because I have my own agenda. I've done that. Have anyone else done that? But I really do love you. I love you, and I'm going to send people cards with verses on them. See, if one of our kids came up to us and said, Mom, Dad, I love you, but I'm not going to do anything you say, or I might do about half, or there's at least five or six things that I just don't agree with, That's not love. If you do not obey God, you do not love him. 1 John 2.3 says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And Jesus walked in obedience to God. He listened and obeyed and listened and obeyed and listened and obeyed. He knew the word. He knew the scriptures. And he obeyed. He didn't go and pray every three seconds, Lord, what's your will now? Lord, what's your will now? Lord, He just listened and obeyed. Obeying God gives us an unshakable foundation. I want you later to go and read Luke 6.47 because I don't have time to read it. But it's just simply about a house that's built upon a rock, on stone, putting God's word into action versus a house that's just built on sand. It's, your foundation is, is unshakable when you build your life on obeying God. It's not in knowing his words, it's in doing his words. Obeying God will cause you to do the will of God without even searching for it. You know what? That, I think, is the most exciting thing for me. Because I so want, and you so want, I don't think you'd be here if you just didn't care what the will of God is. I mean, you're too old to have someone make you be here, aren't you? Or is anyone here because someone, well, I probably... If we obey God, we don't have to find out what God's will is in our life. And and that's what I mean exactly with Jesus. If we're to walk as Jesus walked, he just obeyed God by listening and doing. Even when he didn't understand. God, even if this cup could pass for me, I would prefer it. But he still obeyed God. What if he hadn't gone to the cross? I mean, there's so many repercussions to... What would have happened if Jesus had not obeyed God? That we can't even wrap our mind around it. We would not even know God or have the love of God. Read later Romans 12.1 and 12.2, my favorite scriptures. But basically, they're saying that we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. 
And then my favorite scripture, Romans 12, too, that, that our ministry is built on, that, that we're not to conform to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove the will of God. But how do we prove the will of God? Verse 1 says that it's first by offering our bodies as living sacrifices to God. And so it's not by praying all the time, what's your will, God, what's your will, God, what's your will, God, I'm going to put this fleece out, and if you do this or do that, then I'll know. It's simply by obeying God. And obedience to God says we offer our bodies. The Greek word for body is soma. Of course, that makes sense to us when we think of different words with that, like psychosomatic. The word is soma. And it means a living body used of a large or small number of persons closely united into one society or family, as it were, a social ethical group. And then this is what's so interesting to me. It says that which casts a shadow as distinguished from the shadow itself. Okay, let me, let me, let, let's just think about that for a minute. One definition for body is that which casts a shadow which, of course, is distinguished from the shadow itself. In other words, it's not the shadow. And so many of us give God our shadow. We follow him, but we don't give him our real body. And I have never, ever said, oh, just thank God for my shadow. I had so much to do today, and my shadow just helped out so much, you know. And then if I asked you to come and help me or pray with me, and you said, you know, I really don't have enough time, I really can't come, but I'll send my shadow That's just about what we do with God when we follow him. It's just like our shadows following him, but we're not obeying him. I thought it was interesting to to look at it that way and to realize that a shadow can follow, but it can't move things. It can't speak. It can't fulfill a purpose. A shadow only mimics. A shadow is also a fair-weathered friend. It's really only out when the sun is. The definition of a shadow is a darkened shape on a surface that falls behind somebody or something blocking the light. A slight suggestion or a hint of something, a depressing or ominous gloom, an ever-present threat of blight. And we are to be light, not blight. You see, Jesus said that he's the light of the world, and he said that we are to be the light of the world. I mean, you read Matthew 5, and it just... It just explodes off the page that that we're not to be hidden in the darkness, that we're supposed to shine and be the light of the world. And yet, if we don't obey God, then we're just following him as shadows. But we're not light, we're shadows. And what's amazing is in the definition of shadow, it says that it actually can block the sun. And I think as Christians, when we claim that we are Christians, we claim that we follow Jesus, that we represent God, that we're believers but we're not obeying God, we block God. We block the light. We block the light for people. We become blight. And Jesus didn't say, if you have a bad day, you can just be the blight of the world. You don't have to be the light of the world. Just be the blight of the world. He didn't say, I know that the commandments I've given you are too hard, and so in those, you can just be blight, not light. He said, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Give me your heart, your mind, your soul. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and all your strengths. Love him with everything. But if you say you love me and you don't obey me, you lie. 
so I believe, I believe that every single person in this room loves the Lord. And the way that he wants us to show that is not just with lip service, although I know that he loves to be praised in worship because he says in his word how much he loves to be praised in worship. And we as parents, let's just go back to being a parent. Of course you love it when your child says, Mom, you're such a great mom, or Dad, you know, I love spending time with you. But if they don't back that up with doing what you say, it's just lip service. It doesn't mean anything to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so excited to be reminded of all the blessings of obeying you, that when we obey you, we are in your will. We stay in your will. When we obey you in the little things and the small things, the things in your word and the things that you whisper to our hearts, it actually increases our faith. It increases our confidence before you. And we have our prayers answered by your mighty power of the Holy Spirit. Obeying you is loving our neighbors as, as ourselves. Obeying you in the things that we know. We could list today so many things that we know to do that we aren't doing. Father, I just thank you that you would not only ignite in us an excitement to obey you, but that we could just pray to you right now and say, Lord, in my heart I want to obey you because I do love you and I want you to know I love you. And I need to know that I love you. I need to be certain I need to have confidence before you. I want the goodness in my family and for my family, for my children, the results of obedience, not the curses. But God, I can't do without you. Father, we humble ourselves before you. And I just pray for whatever person might be sitting here and they have tried and tried and tried and tried to quit something. Or they have tried and tried and tried and tried to start something. And I know that as they cry out to you this morning in their hearts and say, God, I can't without you. I humble myself before you. I can't without you. That you hear that prayer and that they can walk out of here with their head held high, knowing knowing that you are going to start doing things in their lives that you have not done before, that you will send help. Because you tell us that no temptation has seized us, yet that it's common to man, and that you would provide a way out that we might stand up under it. And I just join with everyone else here in faith for that person or those persons, that you would provide ways out and that they would take them. That you would, if someone's trying to start something, perhaps start reading their Bibles, start, start loving uh, their wives more and spending more time with her and telling her she's beautiful and taking her to Target, then you would give them that conviction, but also you would help, help that to happen. Father, I pray for every marriage in this room, Lord God, that, that we would be filled with humility to love one another. God, that we would not be blight in this world, but light. And I want to ask your forgiveness, Lord, for being blight. Every time I've been blight, whether I've known it or not. I pray, Lord Jesus, for a new beginning, the secret of an abundant life. 
We want it, and it's ours in Jesus' name. Amen.